everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a 12 questions version of the podcast with Brad Kozlowski, who is doing this for the eighth time. Pretty cool. Um, you know, he always consistently has great 12 questions interviews because he clearly thinks about the answers. He puts a lot of thought into them. He expands on them. And uh, I, I always appreciate that because, as I've said many times, these are only as good as the driver wants to make it because it's the same questions every week. So if you hear a good 12 questions, it's because the driver wanted to make it good and gave good answers. I feel like Brad has consistently done that and over the years has been very generous with his time. So I appreciate him wanting to do it again. And we just spoke several days ago at Dover International Speedway. So take a listen to our conversation. Let's do this, Jeff. I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Is this uh, my sixth or seventh year? Oh, this has got to be more than that. This is like the ninth year of them. And we've done one almost every year. Back um, to the SB Nation days. Yes, for sure. So, Brad, the first question is, how often do you have dreams about racing? How often do I have dreams about racing? Um, I don't know, probably three, four times a month. Oh, that's fairly often. Yeah. A lot of people say no. No. Do you have nightmares or just like you just envision yourself driving or something? A little bit of both. Um, sometimes it's like I want to race. Sometimes it's it's like the um, <laughs> the I don't I'm late to the car thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, or the I don't have any clothes on. I get that one every <laughs> once in a while. The, you're naked at the race car or in the race car, and then sometimes there's the you know crash really hard and, and die. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, that took a dramatic turn there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, goes, it covers the whole spectrum. Yeah, it sounds like it. If you get into someone during a race, intentional or not, does it matter if you apologize? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's racing. I kind of feel like it, it's when you get in the car, you can kind of expect those kind of things are going to happen. Um, I think if you do something intentional and, yeah, um, I think you should have enough humility to accept the fact that those things aren't always necessary you know i was at martinsville a few weeks ago and racing and um aj Almendinger was behind me and we were struggling i had um ran in the back of somebody and broke the splitter and you know i'd been really good at martinsville for the last few years and we weren't running as well as i thought we should and or i know that we were capable of i didn't know the splitter was damaged that was the reason why but AJ Allmendinger came up behind me and he was running a little faster and like the second he caught me he ran in the back of me and I was already agitated because we weren't running as well as we should have been but then the second he ran it he got to me he ran in the back of me not like you know in my mind like dude make a move don't just run into someone and so I was mad and so I ran into him and I thought about that you know a day or two later, so man, I shouldn't have done that. You know, that <laughs> that wasn't really all that cool. And, and so I said something to him because I knew I felt like I was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, those scenarios I think are appropriate to mm-hmm. you know reach out or apologize. Um, but on the other side, it was just like the two of you are racing and you get a little bit loose and you run up into somebody a little bit. Nah, it's just racing. Yeah, okay. I, don't know, I think it's situation dependent. 
Okay. What is the biggest compliment someone could give you? Um, that one's pretty easy. I think it's it's when my wife or daughter, when they say, I love you. Oh. That's the easiest one. That's nice. Yeah. What a nice answer. I feel those are the ones that feel the best to me. Okay. So NASCAR comes to you and says, Brad, we're, we're going to bring the celebrity to the racetrack. We'd love for you to host this person. Uh-huh. Um, who's a celebrity that you'd be really excited to host or take around for, for the morning? Uh, I'm assuming this means living. And if it was living, I would say, I don't know, probably Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. And that one would be good. But I feel like you'd end up debating about the self-driving oh, car. Oh, absolutely. That's part of why it would <laughs> be fun. Want to yeah. Yeah. You want to pick his brain and then also be like, hey, listen, not going to work out for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he might say something that makes me think about it differently, but that's okay. That's okay. part of why I'd enjoy it. Yeah. I would enjoy it not for the, you know, cult of celebrity. Right. I would enjoy it from the, you know, viewpoint perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an effort to show this is a health-conscious sport, NASCAR decides to offer the number one pit stall selection for an upcoming race to the first driver willing to go vegan for one month. Would you do it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't think that one's too hard. Um, it's achievable for one month. It'd have to be a good race. Like, not one of those races where the first pit stall doesn't mean much. Like like Pocono. Yeah. The first pit stall at Pocono is like, <laughs> it's not worth that much. I, I would think it would be like uh, a Martinsville. Okay. Yeah. So they give you Martinsville, Pittsburgh. Or Homestead, like final race of oh, the year. Yeah? Yeah. But it's got to be a good one. No cheese, no meat, no milk. You can yeah. do all that? Okay. Yeah, I don't... Um, I try really hard not to drink milk now. Oh, okay. Um, I do a little bit of cheese. I, I try to avoid that, to be quite honest. If I eat cheese, it's because it's on something. You know, it's like a... Here's a piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could, I could get around that. Okay. It'd be harder for me to give up bread than it is, which I try to do that as well. I don't have a vegan diet now, but I'm not terribly far off. It, other than I like steak, which is really far off. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly. Yeah, but the other ancillaries I can avoid. Right. Okay. Yeah, you don't have too much to take out. No. Okay. It's time for the random race challenge, Brad. Okay. I picked a random race from your career. You have to guess where you finished. All right. This is the 2015 Kansas Spring Race, also known as the SpongeBob SquarePants 400. you have any idea where you might have finished in the 2015 Kansas Spring Race? 15 and 16 run together to me. Um, my guess, my guess, my guess, my guess, uh, fifth. It's actually P7. Seventh, okay. What happened, I, I don't remember this race, of course. I don't remember any of these. But uh, you started third. You led 43 laps at some point. Jimmy Johnson won. Ultimately, you finished yeah. behind Matt Kenseth and ahead of Kurt Busch. Does any of this ring a bell at all? No. 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 No, no. <laughs> okay. No. I've had a lot of forgettable races at Kansas. <laughs> okay. And I forgot that one, clearly. All right. Okay, Brad, who's the best rapper alive? I think that's an oxymoron because I don't think rap's good. <laughs> so there okay. can't be a best rapper if I don't think it's good. It's okay. a subjective question, and that's my subjective answer. Fair enough. Who has the most punchable face in NASCAR? Uh, man, this one could get me in a lot of trouble. Punchable face in NASCAR. Is it like driver, media member? Hey, you know what? 
it, Has anyone gone know, media with it? No, not yet. I mean, if there's anybody in the media you want to take something out on, it's whatever. It's a very violent question. It is, but, you know, Dale Jr. came up with this question uh, for his final 12 questions, and I thought, this is just so juicy, i got to put it on there. Most punchable face. Uh, definitely not Mike Helton. Not a punchable <laughs> face. So just go ahead and write that one okay. off. Or Steve O'Donnell. I'm their big guys. Like, yeah. Really it's not going to end well. No, not going to end well. Um, I don't know if I have an answer for this one, Jeff. I need an answer. Who would be the most punchable face? You have stumped me. I'm trying really hard not to be a, a punching guy. And okay. you have me thinking in a different gear. Um, oh, I know. I Actually, I do know what this is. Those damn Toyota mascots. <laughs> the ones that walk around with the big heads? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're very punchable. It seems. It does seem tempting. And actually, Jimmy Johnson had a similar answer last week where he, he said he wants to tackle, like, the Disney mascots or something like that. Oh, really? Out the, yeah. They, they make him want to just... So, yeah, I could yep. see that people just want to see up on that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Those mascots. Big heads. Mm-hmm. Soft. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so, really hurt anybody. Yeah. I mean, they, they have cushion in there, probably. Yeah, absolutely. NASCAR enlists three famous Americans as part of a big publicity push to be involved with your race team for just one week. They're going to bring Taylor Swift, LeBron James, and Tom Hanks... You have to pick one to be your crew chief, one to be your spotter, and one to be your motorhome driver. So between Taylor Swift, LeBron, and Tom Hanks, who are you going to sign to what role? Uh, I think I have to work backwards of who shouldn't do something. Okay. So if I, if I work backwards, Taylor Swift should not be my bus driver because that would not be good. Okay. You know, there'd be some competition there. You know, it's not, not a good environment. Tension. Okay. Yeah, that, that would not end well for anyone. <laughs> okay. Um, so that means that she would have to be spotter or crew chief. I actually think she'd be a good crew chief because she has a very good strategy to what she does. I'll give her credit. She's for that. very methodical. Yeah. So I'd put her as crew chief. Okay. All right. Who is next? Uh, you have LeBron and Tom Hanks now between your spotter and your bus driver. LeBron and Tom Hanks. I don't think of LeBron as a very good speaker. So I'm going to put him as my bus driver because I think I'm as a good bus driver. Mm-hmm. You know, big guy. Bus drivers usually follow you around. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay. So that leaves Tom Hanks as my crew chief. As your spotter. Your spotter? Yeah. That's right, spotter. K-K yes, K-K yes. Your, yeah. yeah, and that's perfect. Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, I don't think he'd be a very good uh, bus driver. Well, actually, I don't know if there's anything Tom Hanks couldn't do well. Uh, but, no, Tom Hanks, yeah. We'll go with him. Okay. Yeah, spotter. He's got one of America's most lovable voices. Yeah. That'd be great as a spot. You could use a little break from Joey for a week. Oh, <laughs> God, don't put that in there. <laughs> that was my words, Joey, if he's listening. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, what is the key to finding the best pre-race bathroom? Having a motorhome. <laughs> I okay. uh, I used the motorhome before the race. Oh, okay. Yep. I don't... Go Why don't it. other people do that, then? Nobody's answered that this I year. I think um, they probably try to wait to the last minute. Oh, okay. Know. I don't, know, I don't have a great answer for that. I can't really get inside their heads. But, you know, having a motorhome and, and all that stuff is really important for a race car driver at this level. Um, and that's hard to explain to people. Because, yeah, there's some luxurious parts of having a motorhome. Uh, but there are also are some, you know, basic necessities to having one. Because of traffic, 
going to and from the races and an unforgiving schedule that a race car driver has. But probably the one that gets wrote off the most to me and, and that people don't ever really bring up is just pure, like, sanitary habits. Mm. Not that I'm trying to be a germ phobe or anything like that, but before I had a motorhome in kind of the early days of my Xfinity career, I would get sick at the racetrack almost every weekend. Something would I'd get sick. And I'm absolutely convinced it's from shaking hands and then eating mm-hmm. or from the bathrooms because the bathrooms at racetracks, let's face it, are not... They're not good. Yes. Um, so between those two, um, yeah, I get sick every race weekend. Once I start having a motorhome at the racetrack, I stop getting sick. So uh, that's a big deal. Of course, you don't want to be sick in a race car. You don't want to be sick during a race weekend. That just hinders your ability to perform. Right. Um, and so I use my motorhome or try to use it for those things. Wow. Interesting answer. Um, it's, so I mean, not that there isn't some luxurious things, but there's like practical applications. Yeah. Of why... Oh, it makes Almost sense. all the cup drivers yeah. have bathrooms or say motorhomes with bathrooms and things. Mm-hmm. You know, it, what's really interesting about NASCAR to me is that it seems like in a lot of ways it caters to, you know, of course, having money to have things like that, which are expensive. And, and then to, you know, very blue collar, you know, camping in tents type, but nothing in between, um, which is a really interesting you know, place to be because I always feel like when I go to a football game or a hockey game, basketball game, whatever it is, like all the accommodations are right in the middle. Like there's there's not a lot of rich guy accommodations at a basketball game. I mean, you can get a suite, but you know, you'll see like uh, name your your guy um, sit on courtside, right? Right. And it's just a normal chair. It's not like he's got a lazy boy soap or anything like that or anything super nice. Right. He's just closer. He's just closer. That's all he is. It's not nicer. It's closer. Uh, where motorsports is set up so much differently than that where it's it's either like really blue cow or, or really nice mm-hmm. and nothing in between which is just so strange to me. That's true. Yeah, you're either in a nice suite or a luxury motorhome lot overlooking the track or something or everybody every everybody's in the stands all together yep, yeah, yep. kind of thing yeah that's interesting um so nascar decides it misses the highlight reel value brought by carl edwards backflips and they decide a replacement's needed how much money would they have to pay you to backflip off your car after your next win yeah i don't think i'd take any money to do it it's not me it's not who i am so i wouldn't do it you just say no sorry i just say no it's not what if they said we'll give you five billion dollars no, it's just not me. It's just money, Jeff. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, you could out. You could be the next Elon Musk. You'd be like, hey, Elon. Uh, yeah, but I'd have to take it from somebody else who would have the same ability to do it. It's not like they would just generate money. They're not like printing it. That it'd, ha- it'd have to come from someone else, which means essentially I'd be stealing from someone else. Okay. There's no way that couldn't work that way. I'm either stealing from someone else with something that's not mine. I guess I wouldn't mind, mind doing I mean, from somebody else. What would keep the person who had that money that they are going to give me from doing great things? The fact that they're dumb enough to give you the money. Well, <laughs> yes. No, but that's free will. Okay. Who might interfere with that? All right. The last, qu- the last interview, as, as I mentioned, was from Jimmy Johnson. and He did not know it was going to be you specifically, but his question for the next guy was... So you have your fire suit, then you have your fire retardant gear yep. under your fire suit. Do you wear underwear under the fire retardant 
gear no. that's under your fire suit? No. No. Because it's not flame resistant. Oh. But wouldn't the f- that block the... No. Oh, okay. No. It, it would... No. That's not how it works. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, flame retardants, or flame retardant underwear, which I'm wearing, which you can't see on audio, but... Um, is meant to specifically do a number of things from wicking away sweat to being flame retardant to creating an air barrier to your skin. So the whole concept of flame retardant underwear is to create an air barrier. Um, so with respect to that, if you put something in between it, that you're just, in theory, you're creating another pocket, that, but that pocket isn't flame resistant. Oh. It would, could light up. I see. Okay. So it doesn't work. I feel like a little the more you know thing should flash across it. Ah, uh, well, no, thank know. you, thank you. Um, yeah. No, it's just it's kind of like you should never wear a cotton t-shirt under a fire suit. Oh, and you should definitely never, ever, ever if you're a racer out there listening to this, wear like an Under Armour shirt. Oh, really? Yes, because they're extremely flammable. Oh, okay. So, um, what ha- if you're wearing like an Under Armour? You know what I mean, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you like call those that workout type, of shirt. type shirts. Yep underneath the race suit and it just gets a little hot it will melt to your skin and fuse with it oh. so in a fire you will take what might have been first degree burns and up them oh. by wearing that so it's like the worst possible situation if you're anywhere near fire is to wear an under armor type shirt okay good to know and so cotton's like in between and then a, like a fireproof underwear is, is the best this is knowledge I'll probably never need personally, but I'm sure well, other if, people if out you were there a fire, will, there might yeah. be a firefighter listening, yeah. listening and, yeah. and maybe they don't know, maybe they do know, they probably should know. But yeah, you should never ever wear that. Okay. It's looking like the next interview I'm going to be doing with is with uh, Matt De Benedetto. Do you have a question I can ask Matt D? You know, what I was always curious about with Matt is how did he become so Reddit popular? Hmm. I've never really like I, I never I never understood that. Was there like a person? Was it that he met that runs the page, or was it like, how did that happen? Like how did beca- how did he become the darling of Reddit? Yeah, kind of thing. I, I like I feel like there's a backstory there that no one's ever talked about. Okay, yeah, I'll ask him about that. I'm kinda, I'm really curious on that because every time something comes up on Reddit, it's it's the Benedetto. Mm-hmm. It was uh, what was it before that? It was Josh Weiss. Yeah, it's Josh Weiss for the Doge car. The Doge car. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to hear his yeah version yeah of how that came together. That's good. It's a very specific question. I don't know. Is it not supposed to be a specific question? No, it is. Yeah. Okay. If, well, if, if I know who the next one is, yeah. then at least you can tailor it for them. If not, then I'm just like, you know, then it's a Jimmy Johnson underwear question for whoever's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one's very specific, so I, okay. I'm, I'm really curious. I'll All pay right. attention and listen to what he has to say. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for not only doing this, but then reading, giving me the click on next week's one. So, yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good to do this for the eighth or ninth or how many times it's been. Yep, for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody, so there you have it. Deep inside the mind of Brad Keselowski on that interview. I think uh, I think that's well representative of Brad because you kind of get the, the sense that he's thinking differently than not only most drivers but many of us in, in how he approaches questions and with his logic and things like that. So I, I definitely learned a lot. I mean, gosh, I didn't know about that fire retardant stuff or how that worked, as, as I, it was obvious during the interview. So <laughs> the more you know, as I said, the more you know, right? So I'm very lucky and grateful to have some great patrons who support me on Patreon.com, and I want to give a shout-out 
to some of those patrons this week on the podcast. And I want to thank Andy Roberts, Kevin Young, Katie Truitt, and they'll they'll go by, I'll just use their first name here, Fisher and Chris. They were kind of on the fence about getting podcast shout outs. So I didn't want to like out them and use their last name because they're like, ah, you know, I, I, you don't, you don't, you don't need to give one, you know, but I, I wanted to still thank them anyway. So I'm just going to say Fisher and Chris, thank you also for being patrons. In addition to Andy, Kevin, Katie, um, all of you and more help me get to the racetrack each week. And it's always kind of crazy when I'm like at a place like Dover and we're at a tweet up and you're asking people, oh, where'd you come from? And, you know, the farthest people away are, you know, within several hours drive or something. And I'm like, man, I came from Portland, Oregon for this. So uh, I'm the farthest one in this case. But so I appreciate having that opportunity and being willing to do that. Um, I sent out a letter to the patrons recently, but my upcoming schedule is going to include Kansas, uh, the Indy 500. Then I'm going to go to Pocono in Michigan. So getting trying to get uh, to as many tracks as possible before the baby arrives in October and make sure I see everybody. Um, and it's a big part of the race weekend just to thank people in person as well. So if you're coming out to a track, make sure to stop by a tweet up so we can say hi. But I appreciate all the patrons out there. Coming up on Thursday, there's going to be a How I Got Here interview with Nick Terry, who is the chaplain for Motor Racing Outreach. And he has a really interesting backstory because he used to be a pit crew member. He used to be like a jack man for Kevin Harvick, drivers like that at Richard Childress Racing. And now he's um, helping drivers and their families uh, deal with spiritual things at the racetrack and everything that comes with that. So it was good to sit down and talk with him at Dover. Hopefully you'll enjoy that conversation when it comes out on Thursday. And then, as I mentioned, Saturday night at Kansas Speedway, I will be there. And uh, I will I will record a podcast. It will be very late, I imagine. Um, so unless you want to stay up for it, just check back Sunday morning, Mother's Day, or Monday when you're on your commute. But I, I won't leave the track Saturday night before getting that posted. So make sure to stay tuned for that if you enjoy the post-race podcast. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this one, and I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.